Welcome to the Hoof and Fang podcast. I'm Kirk Graves. And I'm Masmatics. How are you doing? Good. Good. You're on vacation. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I've not accomplished much writing wise, but I have been very busy on vacation. So it's been fun. We like kicked it off with us going to get margaritas, margaritas and tacos. So we followed through on a plan. We guys. did. Yeah. We made it Gold happen. star. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that like started the vacation. And then the next day I was able to go hang out with Rebecca from Paper Crane Bookstore. We went sure, to, sure, like sure. had breakfast and stuff and she's cool. So I always get to hang yeah. out with her. And then um, that night we went on a haunted trolley tour, which was okay. super delightfully cheesy because it's like you get on the trolley and they take you through um, like the peninsula area with like all these different like haunted houses and cemeteries and boat crashes and cool stuff like that. So, and the person who narrated the whole thing was telling the stories was very into it and very committed. So it made it really fun because he like, he added dramatic pauses and would like tell you, (laughs) it's great dude. He would like tell you the really tragic story of like this guy's dying, like his brother died and he had a dream that it was going to happen and he had to live with it for the rest of his day. Mm-hmm. Then he'd like turn around and like, and we'll continue to our next stop. And I was like, this guy is in it. So I'm in it. I'm having a great time. But yeah. So in other words, he did a good job telling the he story did. instead of being like, and his brother died and good riddance. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. He was apparently been doing this for a couple of years. He's like a retired school teacher. So he was just uh, always having fun with it. Cool. So it was, I, I really liked it. I thought it was going to be like, Oh, it'll be fun and cheesy. But by the end of it, I was like, that dude gets a tip. Like it was that, super fun. That's the perfect gig for a retired mm-hmm. person. Yeah. I wonder what my retirement gig will be. Ooh, I don't know. I wonder if we'll be allowed to retire. <sighs> will retirement still be a thing? When we're in our 60s. We can dream. <laughs> yeah. We can hope. So so work-wise, not much going on, but that's fine. Yeah. Because you're taking the week off. Yeah, I'm taking the week off. So the plan is after we get done recording, I'm going to go home. I got like a new docking station for my computer. So I'm hoping like I'll get it all set up with these monitors and be like super productive for the rest of the week. But nice. we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> it is vacation. <laughs> so. <laughs> but what about you? What have you been up to? Um... I am working on the second of my two holiday novels. Excellent. Uh, so this is Mistletoe and Mishigas, which is the second book in the Teachers in Love series by M.A. Wardell. Sweet. Uh, Teacher of the Year. Had a lot of really lovely attention earlier in the year, and he's already out with his follow-up. Nice. The Holiday Romance. Um, and I'm co-narrating it with my friend Mark. Awesome. Who it's, is just like, he's perfect for this part. Yeah. And, so it's uh, it's been nice, and it's also great because I'm recording second. Oh, okay. So I have the advantage of I'm also producing it. So like Mark sent me all of his stuff. Mm-hmm. So I have the lovely advantage of like in between every chapter, I can go listen to a little bit of him and just kind of like understand what he did. Yeah. So that I know what I'm doing is flowing seamlessly from what he did. And you usually do not have that in co-narration. You're usually working totally separately. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're emailing back and forth some character samples. Right. But that getting to hear like how he ended a chapter so that I can start the next chapter and match the tone and make it work mm-hmm. when necessary, it's like, oh, that's it's awesome. so good. Yeah. Like you never have that opportunity. So that's that's been really enjoyable. It's also just nice sometimes to hear somebody else working. <laughs> 
yeah. when you're when you're a narrator, like you never really get to hear somebody else's product before it's a finished mm-hmm. product. So that's cool. So yeah, I've been having fun with that, and then. As soon as I'm done with that book tomorrow, I leave for another wedding. That's right. You have dual weddings. <laughs> so the second one is my friend from high school, Stephanie, and cool. um, I'm officiating the wedding. Cool. So this weekend I also had to write a wedding speech. Oh my gosh. And then I have to deliver the wedding speech. Have you done that before? Like, okay. Um, I've officiated one other friend's wedding. Um, in both cases, they are like me type a and they wrote most of the wedding so i just have to like read what they've crafted okay um but in both cases i had to do a reflection so uh and added pressure because stephanie was the efficient at our wedding oh wow okay yeah that is pressure a phenomenal job yeah and it's like well fuck (laughs) how am i gonna how am i gonna live up to that yeah well i'm sure you do a great job We'll find, I'll let you know next sure, week. I was going to say, I, if, yeah, if I, I come in and you're just like clearly upset, yeah. I'll be like, oh, I'm good. Like, well, <laughs> so the nice thing is she is marrying um, a lovely man who was born in India. His family now lives in Dubai. Okay. Uh, but they are doing parts of a traditional Indian wedding as well. Okay. So there are actually three ceremonies Ooh. and I'm doing just the one. Okay. Just the American one. Gotcha. So even if I completely screw up the American ceremony, yeah. they had two other ones that hopefully went perfectly. Great. Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. Now, if we get to Sunday and the other two went poorly, I will be panicking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, woo. It's. Could go either way, I guess, mm-hmm. but I'm sure all of it will be fantastic and fun and wonderful. Fingers crossed. Yeah. It's been a long time since I had to write something that mm-hmm. people are actually going to witness. Yeah. So other than an, an email. Yeah. So, but yeah, so that's, that's what I've got on my docket. Very busy. Oh yeah. And so when I come back next week, I can give you the, the wedding report. Excellent. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to ask and maybe do a recap for the next mm-hmm. episode. I'll put it in the outline. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So, um, again, transitions sometimes are hard. So, uh, do you have a segue into what we're talking about next? Um, hold on. Let me see if I can figure out how to tie a wedding into a prison. Okay. (laughs) Oh, spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tiny, tiny spoiler. Well, sometimes getting hitched is like going to jail. There you go. Um, segue. (laughs) Segue. Uh, we, as we talked about last week, we opened up submissions for uh, our audiobook production side mm-hmm. and we released uh, Gardens and Ghosts yep. a couple weeks ago. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, it is no longer a perk of membership mm-hmm. if you join at the dear listener level. Right. Uh, so you will have 10 days after the release of a book to join and still get that latest audiobook. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, your membership counts towards the next one. Right. So just FYI, if you're going to hop in and join, um, you should still join. For sure. Because you're going to get this next book that we're about to talk about. Yes. And you get a discount Mm -hmm. in the online store if you want to buy anything that we have there. And like the audiobook will be there for another 11 and a half months. Yeah, I was going to say basically a year. So Right. Yeah. So... uh, So yeah, still join. Mm -hmm. Still join at the $10 level and uh, you'll get... uh, you'll get this next book. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, like we talked about last week, last week we had, um, submissions. Yeah. Like, yeah. We got a lot. Yeah. It was awesome to do this, mm-hmm. which is like, 
<laughs> right? Very um, validating. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they continue to come in, and I continue to be so impressed mm-hmm. with the quality and the variety. And um, one came in today that's like, yes. Yeah. Like, the, but the problem is I'm, I'm saying yes to too many. Like, <laughs> I think that's going to be our biggest problem because mm-hmm. a lot of these have been so interesting and cool that we're like, Oh my God, <laughs> like would, how are we going to pick an order? You know what I mean? Like, right. cause they all sound exciting and fun. Right. And we are only doing the one yeah. per month. Yeah. So people might have to wait a little while mm-hmm. um, if we pick them, uh, but not this first person. Yep. So they're, they're our lucky second, I guess. Yeah. 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 First, that's not you, me right. <laughs> part of the podcast. So um, our, October exclusive audiobook is, drumroll please, Prisoner, Steel Pack Book One by Gigi DeGram. Now, full disclosure, I did not know Gigi before she emailed me a while ago to be like, hey, how can I get you to do my audiobook? And I was like, here are my rates. Mm-hmm. And she said, thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> know the struggle. I know right. the struggle. Um, and, and again, totally understand that. Mm-hmm. It's not in the budget for many, many people. Right. Um, but I was impressed with the writing. Um, and I was intrigued by the story and the mm-hmm. blurb. And so Prisoner, this book by Gigi, is actually one of the things that had me kind of like percolating and eventually thinking like, hey, maybe we should make audiobook production a regular part of what we do at Hoof and Fang right? and give this opportunity to people who yeah, would like their books created, but they're expensive. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited that uh, when I pitched the idea to Gigi, she was like, yes, mm-hmm. here's my publisher. Talk to them. Yes. Make this happen. Uh, and her publisher, Nine Star Press, was on board. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about this book. It is... It's unlike any book I've ever narrated, I think. Okay. Um, but if I had to compare it to something, I would say it's like Wolf Song, except more adult, and if Ox had grown up without his mom. That's very interesting. Because I, like, I, I think I only read like the blurb and, and like maybe the first, not even full chapter, I got to read like a little bit. And I, mm-hmm. like immediately it was interesting. So yeah. I can kind of see what you're talking about, but I haven't read the whole thing. So right. I'm like, oh, okay. It's, it, it is very much like the, the main character is a, a gentle soul. Mm-hmm. You root for them. Uh, but whereas Ox had his mom to kind of soften the edges and uh, provide that love for him. Right. Even in, in a tough childhood, mm-hmm. uh, this person does not have that. Yeah. And so it's an even tougher childhood. Uh, and... But the writing is so beautiful and it's, it's very internal too. Like, and that's why it's unlike anything else I've ever done because we're spending more time just inside the head of this one person than I usually get to in the books that I do. Okay. So, um, it's been really interesting to be prepping that book. It is, I'll say this, it's not for the faint of heart. So this one, (laughs) this one will challenge, but it is really compelling. Um, and it's like. I'm I'm prepping a part right now that I'm like, this is going to be so fun to do because it's like that pulse pounding, like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Oh, I love that. It is. It's so good. Um, and the character is just so easy to love, even though he's mm-hmm. deeply flawed. Yeah. Um, and of course, it's called The Steel Pack, so you know 
Wolves. Wolves. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> it feels like that. That's like the cherry on top. Like if if you've got all of that underlying amazingness, mm-hmm. and then just also wolves sold. You know what I mean? Like right. all the check, check, check. So. But in the same way, T.J. Klune kind of undermined my expectations of what a werewolf book could be. Mm-hmm. This is doing the same thing. Okay. Uh, which is again why I sort of compare it to Wolf Song in that. It's it's just different, yeah. and and it takes a while to get to even the mythology of that world. Okay, like cool. it is so centered on creating the character mm-hmm. before being like, oh, and also, right, these are the crazy circumstances in which they find themselves. Uh, the prose is beautiful. I think it acts like a window into that character's psyche and his past, and and it is it's. Parts of it are sad. Parts of it are hard. There okay. will be trigger warnings on this book. Okay. So Fair. Uh, for people who uh, who just don't want to feel darkness as we go into fall, mm-hmm. maybe it's you'll fair. skip this one. Yeah. Uh, but tell a friend. Yeah, for <laughs> if sure. If you're into it. Yeah. Uh, if you're into the angsty part of TJ Klune, the, the ones that I narrate, <laughs> um, I think you'll you'll dig this. Um, yeah. And it, it, it's very similar, except it has that more adult vibe. Sweet. Yeah. It's exciting. I, I can't wait to listen to it. <laughs> I get to listen to it before anyone else because I get to so prove it. So true. So yeah, so that, you can look forward to that coming out on October 27th. Ooh, so right last, before Halloween. Right before Halloween. The last Friday of the month is when we will release uh, the bulk of our audiobooks. We released yours a little earlier mm-hmm. uh, because... Yeah, it was being to... released that day yeah. in ebook as well. Right. Um, and that was dumb. Let's not do that again. Nope. Oh, boy. We stressed ourselves out way too much. <laughs> that was, that was, that was a, um, a learning experience for both of us. Right. Yeah. Let's release a book when we're both out of town. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Yeah, for Oy. sure. Oy vey. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's very exciting. I'm, I'm really looking forward to both recording it and putting it out in the world and nice. seeing how people respond to it. Yeah. Uh, again, it's just, it's not typically what I get to do mm-hmm. because for some reason it doesn't fit the formula of like what a Tantor or a Podium Audio or like other people who pick up these sorts of independent books mm-hmm. and put them out in the world choose. Yeah. So I'm really thrilled that we get to do that. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's something that I think we are both aligned on where we, of course we're going to pick the more traditional stuff because of course, but being able to choose the ones that are a little bit, not fringe, but not as typical mm-hmm. is amazing and that's one of the reasons why independent presses and independent things like these are so important because the bigger ones are gonna not you're not gonna hit the same beats so they're like well i can't make money off of this and they're gonna dismiss it where this sounds beautiful and amazing and different so why the hell not let's let's make it let's make it a thing yeah so i mean every part of this is an experiment Mm and rolling the dice so uh and and so is our choosing of of what books we're gonna do Mm mm-hmm so, but it's also, I think, a lesson in like, never be afraid to reach out and ask. Oh, yeah. Because if Gigi hadn't reached out to me early in the year to just say, hey, what are the chances? Right. I might not have thought of this idea and we might not have gotten to the point now where I'm saying, yeah, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, the worst that can happen with those kind of situations is that somebody politely says no or, right. or just or rudely says no. But usually it's polite. No, like learning to give yourself permission to just go for it is a, it's especially hard when you're like an indie author because we have, or at least I do, I have a really hard time quantifying myself. Like I'm, I'm wasting someone's time if I'm asking them or mm. it, maybe it's rude or unprofessional and typically not the case, especially if, if you just approach somebody professionally, you're probably fine. So right. 
Like, just just ask if you're not sure. You can even put in there, like, hope this isn't rude. Like, you know, like that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm just to all the indie authors out there. Just ask. It's fine. Right. Just for for anything. You never know. Yeah. If you've got an author or person who you look up to that you have questions about how they do things, ask. Because usually we'll we'll tell you or like if there's a narrator you want, if there's uh, somebody you want to partner with for something, do it. Just Mm -hmm. ask them. You never know. Because maybe right. you'll spark something cool. Like, Gigi didn't know we were doing all this stuff. Because <laughs> we weren't. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's great. Um, yeah. And I guess it's it's unusual for people who aren't in some form of acting. To, although writers, I think, do this too if they go through traditional publishing. But yeah. like, some of us are used to getting a lot of no's. That's true. <laughs> so like, yeah. So you kind of get. You just kind of uh, get inured to it. Right. So. Yeah, you gotta you gotta thicken that skin and just ask. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm glad she did. I'm thrilled we're able to make this happen. I hope people respond to it and enjoy it. Yeah, I'm sure they um, will. It sounds so cool. Yeah, like yeah. I don't know, maybe I'm just because I'm in the genre and, and we both read so much of of MM. I will always love MM, MM romance. The traditional ones, great. But when we get to see these really different ones, like somebody coming in and just doing something different with the genre, mm-hmm. I love that. Like right. we need more of just. Just do weird shit or like yeah. do stuff that if, if you're not sure people are going to jive with it, do it anyway. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I bet you there's going to be a pocket of people who are like, this is amazing. Right. So. Well, and especially when it comes to writing a book, mm-hmm. like because trends change, like you almost have to take the risk and do something different. Yeah. Because otherwise, by the time you write the thing that you think is on trend. It's gone. It's or It might already be gone. Yeah. So, you know, although you guys, you indie authors, you knock out books like, and I'm, I, Still can't wrap my head around how quickly sometimes you guys write books. Yeah, I've got, so. I've got some peers who who can knock out a book like in two months or something, and it's like start to finish, getting it edited mm-hmm. two months, and I'm like, it's, right. it's intense, it's amazing. We've talked to authors on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've aired that part of our conversations, but where they're like, oh yeah, this book is coming out on this date, um, and I start writing it next month, and I'm like, wait, you've you've released? Yeah. The date that it's coming out. That's and insane started to me. It yet. That's insane <laughs> like, to me. But but it's all part of their yeah. plan. Mm-hmm. Like and they have it all mapped out. Yeah. So that was an aside. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, we're going off on a tangent. We're that doesn't going matter. Off on a tangent. Yeah. Uh, we love authors. Please keep sending us uh, your your books if mm-hmm. you want me to narrate it. Yeah. Because it could happen. For you sure. Never know. Um and once again I would say if you want to have um some influence in that decision help us make these decisions mm-hmm. uh if you're not already go join our patreon as a free member and you'll be able to participate in the polls when we put that out yes yeah that'll be later down the road but we do have that mm-hmm. planned speaking of being a writer mm-hmm. and the work that you guys put in i was curious about what if you could go back in time what would you say to young Maz, who's just getting started, mm-hmm. what advice would you give that person? What do you know now that you wish you knew then? I think the big one is, and I, I'm still trying to teach myself this, is to not not compare yourself to other people. Like, the easier said than done. That's golden rule number one. Because no matter what, even if you set goals for yourself and you smash them, there's always going to be somebody who's your perception is doing better than you has more mm-hmm. reviews, has more people talking about their book, um, has a prettier cover, whatever. But you also don't know the stage that they're in, the money that they have, their life situation. They could have a night and day different 
process than you, who knows? Or maybe they've been sitting on this book for two years and they're just now releasing it Mm -hmm. after doing rapid release. You don't know, right? So that one really kicked my ass when I was first starting out was I would have people public or like we would start the same day. We would launch a book at the same day cold like nobody knew who we were and they would be getting way more traction than me mm-hmm. and so i couldn't help but be like well, what am i doing wrong like nothing but just, right. i released a centaur book and this one was a contemporary romance fucking duh you know what mm-hmm. i mean right. but like it, get out of your head about it and give yourself reasonable goals that don't make it impossible to succeed like if you were a new author you've never released a book and you're trying to get 300 reviews in a week calm down that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. just, you can't look at what like, you know, Nev Wilder is doing or Lucy Linux who has an established rabid fan base and be like, well, why am I not doing this? Of course not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like you have to be reasonable and what your goals are. And also not to spread yourself too thin with marketing and social media, because within this genre, it is very hard to get established and it's hard to kind of break into a very rabid fan base that reads quick and will like pick up a book, love it, and then move on to the next one immediately. Mm-hmm. So it feels a lot like you're shouting at the void. Like there's mm-hmm. so many books being released at a time. And so the, the pressure to be online all the time, to participate in everything that you can get your hands on, to dump money you may or may not have into ads and like participating in things, trimming that back I think that goes with just setting goals like, you know, okay, I can't do Facebook ads right now, but I'll do like two takeovers and call it there, mm-hmm. you know, just pacing yourself and not. And it's, it sounds like it's that balance too. Yeah. Of like how much do you invest time wise mm-hmm. and money wise? Yes. That's a and big like one. Understanding how much, if you have more time to give, mm-hmm. give more time. Right. If you have more money to give, give more money. Yep. Yeah. Don't do both because mm-hmm. that's just, you're just going to, like wear yourself out. Like Mm -hmm. when I reflect back on the first year of like how often I was releasing things and what I was trying to do to what I, where I am now past me was insane. Like Mm. I was writing, I was trying to do like five books a year, which to me is insanity. Like I don't write that. But you saw people who did that and you were like, Oh, this is what you do. Yeah. I kept thinking like, unless I'm putting out books every two or three months, I'm going to get swallowed up and nobody's going to know who I am. And I'm just going to get lost. And that feels so real when you're little and you're first starting out and you're seeing these, you know, we just talked about people putting out books every two months or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not everyone can do that. And if you can't, that's fine. you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like don't burn yourself out before you get a chance to enjoy being in that, not fandom, but that world that, you know, burn yourself up before you get a chance to really love being an author. Right. Like you murder uh, your yeah, own. That's important. Yeah. You murder your own create creativity when you're desperately trying to win a race that you're self-imposing because mm-hmm. it's not there. Everyone's yeah. got different paces and th- there's authors who I'm rabid fans for who hasn't released a book in like four years. And when she drops one, I'll be first in line. Right. You know what I mean? They're, that's how the fan base is, but it doesn't feel like that when you're little and struggling so hard. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, that was my long-winded screaming rant because <laughs> it's it's a good question. Yeah. But yeah, I, I could go on for two more episodes about don't do this thing, love mass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about you for new narrators or I guess for younger you, what would you yeah. say? Um, I think one thing that I did wrong is I thought a lot about things like 
equipment Mm -hmm. and like booth space. Like I invested a lot in, uh, even, even back in, in our house in Sheboygan, when I was just getting started, like I renovated like a whole room in our basement and then took over a closet and put up all this special stuff and bought better microphones. And that was after like one book. Oh, wow. Cause I was like, Oh, I got to invest in all this stuff. Yeah. Now looking back on it, I think when you're young, you should spend that money on things like coaching. That's a good like one. Getting professional feedback mm-hmm. on your craft uh, more than worrying about the stuff. Yeah. Because a good microphone can't fix a bad performance. That's true. Um, and we talk, we've talked a little bit about this on the writing side too, that mm-hmm. like uh, in the conversation about like making an audiobook and where to invest your money, like a good audiobook won't fix bad writing. Yeah. So like for people who are putting all their money into having an audiobook so soon in their career, it's mm-hmm. like you can invest that money in a way that's going to be so much more beneficial to you. And I could have done that as a young narrator, like yeah. gotten more coaching earlier, gotten that feedback. Uh, and, and not just about performance stuff either. Cause you can also get like business coaching. Oh yeah. Take classes on like how to market yourself. Mm-hmm. Like these are all things that are really important that I, I, I just didn't see the value in early enough. And yeah. looking back, I'm like, Oh, I should have actually, that would have been the thing. Yeah. Yeah, that, I think that that can translate to like authorness as well, and and your writing because it's at this point in my career, I'm more willing to dump money into craft classes and going to conferences. To networking would be great, but if any panels on prose or anything mm. to just help me be a better writer, I think is worth way more than dumping a couple hundred bucks into a Facebook ad. Right? You know what I mean? Because it's you're investing into yourself. So the next product is even better. So yeah, I'm a, that's great advice for anybody starting out new on Yeah, really, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. It translates. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, young Kurt and young Maz. Sorry. Yeah. You can't actually, you can't actually use that advice, (laughs) but if you're like us and you're listening, uh, that's our advice. Mm -hmm. So, um, we, this week got the chance to talk to Alina Isaacs, mm-hmm. uh, also known as the author Noah Hawthorne. Uh, and so we get to talk to them about their Adventures in Levina series, which is the series that I narrated the first book for them in that series. Nice. They're also the author of the steampunk fantasy Take Me to Iverborn series. Uh, and here's our conversation with Alina Isaacs. For our listeners who are not familiar with Noah, he writes under the pseudonym Alina Isaacs, and I have actually had the pleasure of narrating one of his books, the first in I, in what I now know is a, a three book series, or is it just the th- first it's a three? Series. Yeah, first okay. of many, I think. So, and thank you very much for having me here. I appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> and I just know from your intake form, I was like, oh, there's there's another book. <laughs> it's coming so <laughs> yeah uh so that was great to know um but yeah so welcome to the podcast we were talking about queer sci-fi fantasy speculative fiction and basically any form uh that it takes obviously we both work in uh, male male romance and in writing those books and so it's a natural extension to be having authors coming on the podcast and talking about their journeys yeah. uh, so how did your journey get started like how did you find the world of queer 
sci-fi fantasy and fiction and what made you want to write maybe those two things are related maybe they're not yeah so i've always um been interested in writing since i was younger um i was the kid that was reading four grade levels above you know the gifted kid burnout kind of thing um but uh i read akatar i stopped reading for a while grew up had a kid and life happens. So then I read Akatar and it was okay. But I was just like really I was really missing the diversity in it. So I was like, you know, I can write a fay book. You know, I've written I used to write books. Um I wrote them when I was younger. And um that was when I were, wrote the Eternal Machine, which is, you know, Fay and the it's very hetero passing because I was nervous. You know, it was the first time I ever did anything like this. But where I live, you don't see that. It's, um, like I said, it's rural backcountry. A lot of conservatives, a lot of religious people, things like that. So it was kind of scary for me. And I went to Safe Route. And there were side characters that were in a former relationship. Um, two gentlemen. And then later on in the books, that kind of got a little bit braver. And I was, after I wrote the first book, I read Wolf Song by T.J. Klum. And that was the first queer book. Never heard of it. <laughs> Never heard of it. What's that book about? <laughs> yeah. And I didn't, <laughs> honestly, I saw it on Amazon and I kind of read the blurb and I don't know um, what I was really expecting, but it wasn't that. It was more adult, um, you know, because it goes throughout, it goes, it's a long book as far as the years, you know what I mean? It's these two guys growing up and it's just their story and i really you know like wow why is this resonating with me so much so i continued to write and then that was when i started to realize okay i think that i'm non-binary and i didn't know what any of that was that wasn't taught to me like i said where i grew up just wasn't a part of anything so then in addition to tga clune i read some other books um the wolf and the whale which was the first trans character that i read and then Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas. Hello followed with us with um, Andrew White. So it was just, I started picking up all these different queer books as I was writing. I was finding myself at the same time. <laughs> and then I was like, you know, I think I'm more than non-binary. I think I'm trans. And that was really scary. Because, and there's also this pressure too, when you present as a white woman. You know, why are you writing this stuff? That, do that doesn't make sense. Why are you writing this stuff? So I also felt pressured in this coming out journey. Like, there has to be a reason why I want to write this. And I don't think there has to be a reason, but I just very quickly was resonating with the things I was reading and writing. And I wanted to know why. So I kept connecting with other authors and other people. And so finally, that was when I wrote Phantom and Rook, which was my first gay romance you know like there was no question about it this is a love story between two guys and their queer family like i kind of realized after i didn't really write anybody straight or at least not explicitly but i didn't care i wanted that i wanted to write a cozy funny queer fantasy because they're just Fuck straight I, people <laughs> yeah they have I enough just, <laughs> yeah and i just it, i want i said i was writing the eternal machine and that's dark fantasy it was a long series and I was in between books two and three, and I needed a break. I needed something funny. And um, 
while there are funny moments in Pam and Rook, it kind of became more serious. And I guess I touched down on a lot of things that were really important to me, such as mental health. Um, you know, we can talk more about that later, but I really wanted to share how I was feeling. And I'm like, there's got to be other people that grew up, you know, I'm 29 years old. I'm just figuring all this out now. And Cemetery Boys and all that is great for young adults. And it really helped me out. But where are the stories for the middle-aged people that are just now kind of starting their life, or just now figuring things out? And I realized that's the kind of stories that I wanted to tell. And I guess they had all just kind of intermingled and snowballed together between wanting to write, wanting to write fantasy, because that's what I always read and enjoyed. Um, I had a really dysfunctional upbringing, we'll say. So it provided a lot of the, provided a lot of escapism. And then wanted to provide that for others and the queer aspects of it. So, like I say, all those kind of together led to all this. I can definitely relate to figuring out yourself a little bit later in life. Like, one of the things that I got out of my journey with reading M.M. Romance and eventually starting to write it is that I didn't realize that I was queer until I think about the same age, like tipping into 30 is when I was like, oh, I think I like girls too. That's weird. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was one of those kind of things that I, I don't think I allowed myself to really take that walk until I started reading queer romance and fiction and things like that. So, but yeah, to your point, there's, there's a lot of amazing YA out there for like kids trying to figure themselves out, but there's not a lot of like, Hey, I'm 37 and maybe I don't just like dudes. Like I, I love that there's, you're, you're trying to make those stories for those adults to be able to kind of like navigate that, but also immerse into a cool fantasy world because I would love to have a character figuring out their sexuality, but like in a steampunk setting, like that just makes yeah. it more fun. You know, that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting that you, you bring that up because in, in publishing, like there's young adult and then like new adult is becoming really popular yeah. um, as well. But if you think about the fact that like our generation, like the people who are in their twenties and thirties, like we got the tail end of that, like pretty conservative and strict idea of what sex and gender is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And yet we're living through a time when like, it is becoming acceptable to question all those things that we were taught as kids. The teenagers, man. Right. Like I, and and this is just my perspective as somebody who's watching them grow up, but like, I feel like the people who are in their teens and early twenties now, like they just accept it all. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and, and it's like, well, no, 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 that's just the way it is. And so like, you talk about the concept of new adult it's like i feel like the people who are in their late 20s and 30s like we're still figuring shit out we're still new adults because we're like like stumbling blind into this world of possibilities that we just never talked about as young people and since so much of our psyche is formed when we're children like it's it's this breaking open it's this discovery and it's people my age your age who are just growing in ways that like we never would have been able to Mm -hmm. i have a seven-year-old daughter and um it's so different for her because she's got books um my shadow is purple is one features a non-binary me character you know and a lot of the she likes graphic novels they're queer graphic novels and they're just they're just there you know it's just and we have conversations and things like that you know i really try to 
Like, for instance, there's a girl on her bus that is in a wheelchair. And, and in situations like that, I'm like, you know, you don't have to go up and ask questions, you know, if you're interested. Like, you don't have to be afraid to, like, you know, it's not a big deal. And, like, the same, I think, with gender. She was watching a movie, Monster High, live action or something like that. And one of the characters introduced himself, hey, I'm Frankie, I go by they, them. It's a show intended for, like, you know, probably middle school kids. But I just, it was just so, like, random. Like, just there. I'm like, oh, my, did that, what what just happened? Like, you know? And so I didn't say anything, but later on, I'm like, hey, did you understand what they meant? Because I, we had a conversation similar to that, too, when I came out. And she's like, yeah, they like this instead of she or he. And I'm like, you know, just, it's just so different for them. And I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure it will come with its own set of issues to deal with, like we all have. But mm -hmm. yeah, mostly I just feel joy about like how much that generation takes for granted mm -hmm. because it's yeah. just a part of their world. Yeah, and it's just whatever. It's not revolutionary. Like, yeah, you know? it's just whatever. Right. She's got a whole bunch of um, ants that have wives and, you know, it's not anything for her. Whereas for us, we're still kind of dealing with that, like you said, the childhood. I don't want to say trauma, but the tail end of growing up in that time period. Right. I like, think it probably is trauma, and none of us really know that yet. Yeah, like, but we have the trauma. I, I, I really feel like it probably was like, it's like pretty psychologically traumatic to feel different and not be able, but also know not to say anything. Mm -hmm. Like when I was growing up, I... I didn't even know what the word gay was, but I knew I was different in a way that I shouldn't talk about. And it's like, how did I know at eight, nine years old not to say certain things if I didn't even know what the word was that defined what I was feeling? Yeah. Somehow your head was like, this is bad. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's got to be that's I mean, certainly I am fucked up because of that. Right. <laughs> Like I mean, aside from the yeah, usual family shit, like yeah. there's got to be yeah. some some roots there. That yeah. did a number on me yeah. for sure. Well, for me right? personally, you know, it was used to a derogatory term. Yeah. Ah, fun. We've really we've gone <laughs> to a fun place already. Yeah. We're doing great. Yeah, it's all the funeral <laughs> places, but uh, so yeah, I just like we we're saying. Um, I think we're really blessed to have all these different categories, right from the younger kids. In the middle school, you know, young adult, new adult, and we need more. We need more everywhere. It's great to see everyone, you know, all the different stories. And I, it's hard for me to say all the new stories because these stories have been around. There just weren't as many, you know, and like mm -hmm. kept on the down low and weren't really. I saw a book the other day. It was from the 80s, I think, and it was a gay romance. And I was like, I want to read that. Like, you just don't see a lot from the year, at least personally. I just haven't looked hard enough, probably. But mm -hmm. well, yeah. and there's one um, that I remember reading as a young person, and it was gay romance, um, and like it was the first one I ever read, and I had these fond memories of it. And then I went back and read it a couple years ago again, and like even that, like even that was it was just so. It was violent and it was like the relationship had to be a secret and there was so much internalized homophobia oh, and then there was like 
then it was also like denigrating to women and i was like none of this is okay and none of it is what i remember from the first time i read it because i was just like oh my god boys are touching each other right that was all that mattered like wow there's this piece of literature with this then it you know and now Mm -hmm. you're like yeah i'm glad i get to read and listen to stories that are a little bit more less back yeah because i was actually trying to look into like how could i get the audio rights for that book and like make because it's never been released in audio and i was like oh maybe i can do that and I, I bought the books again and i read it and i was like oh no i don't want to do this <laughs> never, <laughs> no, never no, no. no 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 like they say many bad words <laughs> like that we don't say anymore and i was like no 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 like and i i don't think we should censor those words like they're a part of their time and like right. they existed in those books and let them but i was like i don't need to say them into a microphone no. Yeah, I don't want to. That's not what I want to narrate. Uh, when did you start? Was I know Wolf Song was one of your first? Was it your first or your first big one? It was my very first audiobook it was your ever. Very first, and mm-hmm. was that like in general? Like you just decided one day you were going to do it, or is that something you always knew you were going to do? No, it was so that was 2016, and it was at a time when like podcasting was becoming uh, more accessible. And so I had started doing some podcasts, so I had some equipment, and then a friend of mine who I had done some theater with had mentioned that she had found this website, uh, ACX, which is run by Amazon, and like independent authors will put their work out there, and then you can audition for it, and then you they pay you to narrate a book and i was like oh that sounds like fun like a nice little fun side hobby and i hated my job at the time so i was like literally anything to like keep me busy so i couldn't focus on how miserable I was so you know yeah so i jumped in you know and then i got lucky and tj clune came along and changed my life and yeah so i yeah i never ever thought i would be doing this type of work in fact when i left high school and was going to college my mom one day was like i'm surprised you're not going to school for like theater or acting and i was like well first of all mom you could have said something about this any time in the last 12 years um like to to like support me or encourage me in that you've never said a word um but two the other thing was just like i i was the second most talented guy at my high school in sheboygan wisconsin i was like i don't think the second most talented person from sheboygan wisconsin ends up with a career in acting strangely enough here i am so if you're one of those people out there like encourage high schoolers to actually like pursue the things they want to do because yeah. uh turns out it is possible even if it doesn't seem like it is the easy path yeah but yeah, yeah. so it was mostly just tj and and luck and and then as much tenacity as i could pour into it until it yeah. became a, a life so is that how you two met was through your projects or yeah so i i met kurt uh Way back in the day, I had a podcast. I think around the same time, I was also doing a podcast um, with a my alpha reader who best friend kind of thing named anyway. Jess. And uh, so we were doing a male male romance podcast. And I remember Kurt reached out wanting to be on the show because you had just finished um, the Sumage Solution mm-hmm. uh, by Gail Carriger or G Carriger is the uh, name for that series. And so we invited him on and just like loved him because he was fun and we were having like a good back and forth and stuff. Yeah. And then we found Wolf Song, listened to that, cried a bunch. And then we just became like rabid fans at that point. Yeah. So we connected at a GRL, I think, like the next year mm-hmm. in the same year and like fast friends kind of thing. And then just so one of those like weird forever. serendipitous. Yeah, just like 
just by pure happenstance right. and like just being mutual friends within the industry. And then just by weird circumstantial kind of thing, uh, my husband got a job in the same town as Kurt. So we moved from Texas to Wisconsin into his backyard just by total accident. So that's great. Yeah, now we're here. <laughs> so. That is great. Isn't that weird? It yeah. is, but it's a good <laughs> weird, you know? So how long have you been planning this, Pat? Is this something you've been like, oh, we should do this sometime for a while or? Um, couple months, maybe? A couple months. We yeah. kind of like floated the idea and we're both the kind of people, I think, where we're like, this is an idea, but we got to sit on it for a while until one of us is like, we're doing it. You know, like somebody like, like makes the first move. So I think we finally got to that point when you like were playing around and made a logo and we were mm-hmm. like. All right, it's time. Let's so, do it. Yeah, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> now, and I'm trying to be better about like not not waiting until things are like totally fully formed to like just move. Mm-hmm. You know, like just make something happen, and you can figure out the rest later. Like I used to do that as a younger person, and now I feel like if I can't see from A to Z how everything's going to go, then it's like crippling to start. Mm-hmm. So I really but, like and the, well, yeah. Yeah, and so yeah, and the other thing too is like this will eventually be part of like a Patreon, and like oh. we have each considered like doing Patreons individually, mm-hmm. um, but I think we both have similar feelings about like not wanting to give that much of our lives to yeah. Yeah. a Patreon. Um, so if you're doing it together, and, and it, right? Yeah, it kind and of balances the workload a little bit. And it's also like, and I, I have no problem with people who do this, but I, it's just not my personality to say. Um, like, could you give me some money just so that I can do the thing I'm already doing? Like, I feel like you have to do something extra. And so that was where a podcast came in. Cause it's like, oh, we can do a podcast. And then the podcast has a Patreon and then okay. it's not me. And I don't feel like I have to be giving so much of myself yeah, to people like- behind a paywall. Cause like other narrators do that. And I'm like, how much of your time do you give? Yeah, that's a lot. And, and I already taste up a lot to do a book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, yeah. how many hours do you think you spent working on Phantom and Because it was, what, 13 and a half finished? Oh, yeah. Well, and, and you had the strange situation where, like, I had to stop halfway through because <laughs> there were, like, other projects due. And I was running late because I had gotten sick the end of last year. So, yeah, I mean... It, I mean, it was, a course, it was over a course of months. Of course, I wasn't working on only that during that time. But, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a significant investment of time. People really underestimate, I think, how long it takes to get, you know, one hour of good audio. Like, I think it's something that needs to be talked about more, especially with AI and all of that. You know, I've gotten mm-hmm. a whole bunch of um, auditions for my other audio books that were all, you could just, you can tell within like two seconds of AI, you know, it's so monotonous that whatever. So. Oh, I hope it's AI and not just a bad Narrator. Yeah, there's going to be somebody listening to us being like, oh, I need to oh, no, like my they were, inflections or something. It was like, it was like Alexa, but Alexa after a long night. Oh mm. my God. That's yeah, sad. That is and sad. I mean, we talk about th- this all the time in the narrator community and I won't go down that rabbit hole, but like that that is why it's it's so important to try to be your very, very best and to deliver the best final product you possibly can Thank because you. the only thing that will distinguish us from AI is if we continue to be, you know, empathetic, curious, authentic storytellers in a way that a machine never can. Bad right. You know? Yeah, I but, agree. 
we could talk about that for hours and we shan't. Um, yeah, yeah. So actually, okay. So before we jumped on, on the call, Marky and I were actually going through your bio and looking at the description for some of your books Okay. and they are described as dark fantasy. Yeah. Like I said, what makes something dark? Yeah. Is it like the romance that's dark or is it like the world that's dark? Cause that's what I was curious about. So it's like, yeah, the storyline's dark. It's, you can expect violence, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's not a happy ending. Um, so it's just like a hell essentially to be in and not all of them are like that, but like in mine specifically, it's a really corrupt world. The, there's a lot of discrimination, you know, it, I really try to tie in a lot of real world issues with it. Um, it starts off in a prison and the main character is the prison warden and she has had her legs broken to the point where they had to be amputated. She's been fighting for her life and that's what she constantly does. And pretty much right from the beginning, it's just dark, angsty action. And there's a lot of like, I really, my thing is about fam found family. So I really got to put a lot of that in there balance it out because you don't want it just depressing the whole time and what i really think a lot of people like about dark books in general is because it's that climb it's coming out of the darkest rock bottom you can't think you can't get any worse and you can get up there and um i have a discord group and we were actually talking about this the other day why do people like dark things dark books so much and it's that was exactly it right there it's healing for themselves because maybe there's certain things or about themselves, trauma or things like that. They haven't realized until they're reading about a similar experience, not necessarily in fantasy, but, um, and it kind of helps them in a way. So I, like I said, I grew up, had a really kind of dysfunctional childhood and I wanted to let it out a little bit. And, um, I think that's a really good way to do that is through writing. And not only are you getting the dark parts out, but the hopeful parts. If that makes sense so like yeah. i had to change from though because it was it, it is very dark and it's very angsty and there's a lot of um high stakes things like that and you're not expecting a happy ending and you don't get one until the very last book so it's a three six book series i just finished the last one so i always gotta think seven book series actually i lied yeah like just working through the like you said, the slow climb, like getting all of that frustration out on paper and then at the end is like that payoff is, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, just put the I characters can, through absolute hell. And if they can yeah. make it out, then you can too, probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know if I could get through like both my legs being amputated in a prison, but hey, man, if she could do it, maybe I can. <laughs> yeah, I am um, right here. So that's her. And that was Oh, yeah, I was looking at that. It's a beautiful cover. Yeah, she's got, besides that, she has a few other disabilities, and actually, nearly every main character in my books do, um, personal reasons, but I did think that's something else, too, that we really could use in fantasy, is characters mm -hmm. with disabilities, because people with disabilities exist, um, and in that book in particular, she's granted a magic wish, and it was not used to fix her. She didn't want to be fixed. She doesn't think she needs to be fixed. Like, yeah, would her life be easier? Of course it would be. But people with disabilities, and her in this case, like, don't need to be fixed. They need support. 
you know, they need family, they need aids and things like that. But a lot of people don't want to be fixed. They just want, they want to go on adventures. They want to be part of society. They want to, you know, be part of things. So that was another important thing, writing that book and all of them. I mean, in Phantom and Rep, it's more of um, mental disabilities than physical, but still. So what was the seed of inspiration that, that created Phantom and Rook? Um, I wrote it down on a paper one day. I got the idea. I wanted, it was kind of different. I wanted someone to put on a festival each year and they were trying to, they're like, catch me if you can kind of thing. You know, like I, I'll put out a big reward for whoever can catch this person. But no one knew it was the person himself putting it on. So they're just like, oh, one day this showed up and they're like, oh, well, let's play and let's see what's going to go on. But then um, after I started thinking about it a little bit more and how I would do it, I actually had watched an episode of Expedition Unknown. So one of the episodes was um, the host, Josh Gates, was talking about The Secret by Byron Price. And... It's this guy who went and hid through North America, so not only the United States, but Canada as well, hid a bunch of foxes throughout everywhere. Like, they had, um, like, a little gem or something like that, and if you take the box back and you exchange it and you get a bigger prize to this guy. He did it back in the 80s. He had 12 of them, and last I checked, I think only four have been found. He actually ended up dying, and his family took it over. But he wrote a book to go with it, and he put clues in it, and he hired this illustrator that did paintings. And the illustrator says he doesn't know where the the everything is. He just was given details to do into the paintings, and he did these abstract paintings. And the book went with them. So that whole idea, like going out in the community and looking for treasure, going out to these historical places where he describes in the book, and he shows in the paintings. And I just really loved that. Like, I'm really big on connecting with your community, small businesses. You know, I did the farmer's market for a while. And then I think that's something you need to do more. Is go out if you can if you can, and interact with where you live. And that's what I really wanted to, like, that's what I want to do in this book. But yeah, so that was, you know, I started getting all of that in my head. I'm like, okay, so what if you did the paintings, the scavenger kind of, and the festival of one? put all that together and like okay i've got my setting i've got what i want it to be about now who would do such a thing and that was where i came up with batch um and i just love him so much you know he deserves the world he's like um ten thousand years old this is his little this is his little nook like this is his little place that he can go hide away from his job and just be kind of a human i guess and um what would happen if no one remembers you during all that time? And then what would happen if you met your soulmate? You know, it's just all these questions kept kind of compounding together. And I was like, well, I thought this was supposed to be funny. Because I really like um, specifically the how to be a normal person and how to be a movie star. The comedy in those ones. And I've got a few other ones too. Uh, Carry On was good. But I just really liked the comedy in it. And I was like, you know, maybe we could do that in the banter. And then Bob was another thing. I don't know why I had to have Bob in there, the cheesemaker. And I just thought that was the lovely bit of funny, a funny aside. And I really liked Bob's story because he's this 
not typical guy, you know what I mean, at all. And he ends up finding love. And I thought that was really wonderful too. But, but yeah, it's just all these different things that I wanted. So I wanted the festival, the thatch was a big thing. And then came in Arlo, who's the hedge witch. And he's very depressed. He kind of has that whole... I'm the retired hero. I did everything I was supposed to do. Now what do I do with my life? Like, what is my purpose? All my friends have started their lives and um, it really gets to them, which it's a big thing. He does talk about his previous suicide a little bit. And I've been close with a lot of people that have done that. So it was really important to me to kind of bring light to that. And especially where he talks about, you know, what I did were my choices. It wasn't for a lack of support, people being, you know, I had everything. It still happened. And um, his healing process for that was really important to me. Like I said, that whole subject is very personal to me. And I really wanted someone that made it through. You know, they kept going. So that was really important to me as well. Yeah, the whole thing, I just, I wanted something cozy. I wanted something wholesome. I wanted something for the people later in life that, you know, like Arlo, he's learning later in life who he wants to be, how to live. Same with that. She's old and still doesn't know what he's doing or where to settle down. Um, back to what we were saying earlier, I just really wanted a story like that. Where does it go now? Next is Quentin and Elokian. Yeah, and I did write a um, novella that takes place a few days after the end, all kind of a Phantom and Rook. There's like the years between when Thatch is gone and then that catches up and kind of it's just like a feel-good holiday thing it doesn't really touch on what happened that that'll be in Quentin and Olympian's book um matt's daughter and adrastus you are perfect with getting all those this is why i can't because i get caught up on them so we had asked you uh in the intake form about like some other queer fantasy that had like inspired you and so this is the part where i go to you to like talk so about geek yeah out. go geek out yeah, yeah. so he, he brought up that he, on your intake he said that the tarot sequence Wait, was like one of your like what? things that inspired you and i could like oh uh, i could see it now in the background That's awesome. yeah i love these books can you see it yes oh you got the cool foiled one i'm so That's jealous that's awesome just the isle of dawn i don't have the other ones the hard covers of the trilogy i will though someday yeah, I'm gonna. I need to save up and like I missed the window when they were doing those pre-orders because I really wanted them and then life and I missed it. So I was like, oh, it's so much regret. But yeah, no, I love those series, the magic, the found family. Like I can definitely see why. Like since you have so much of that in your writing, I can see why that resonates with you so much. But yeah, for sure, the magic system too is really good. I really love the world building. I love the author because um, I don't, I don't normally care. Like I just pick. Well, when I used to go in the bookstore, I just pick it up and be like, oh, I like the cover. I read the first few pages. Mm -hmm. It's great. But since I started doing all this, getting on TikTok and stuff, I've been getting more with um, connecting on the author, the indie author, who I'm supporting. Um, mm -hmm. And first was A.P.M. Wolford. It's this one. And the last one that came out, actually, she, well, they, excuse me, they had um, a similar journey where this was kind of hetero passing. And now mm -hmm. the latest novel in their series, The Evergreen Hair, features a non-binary character. 
And it was kind of a similar journey, like putting your toe in and kind of coming out along the way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That really connected with me. Yeah. But anyway, so the author is really nice. He's really, um, he's got a Twitter and he puts out little snippets and stuff like that. And when fans put things up in the fandom, he'll comment on it if he has the time. And I understand not everyone has the time to do that, especially if you have a lot of people. But I just think it's really cool. We're all doing a fanfic thing. And I was like, you know, hey, KD, what music do you think brands would like? And he wrote back. And, you know, I just thought it was really cool. And um, the story, the characters are all really diverse. And I love Room. Mm-hmm. because he is this tragic little boy that has been through some really serious trauma and he finds healing mm-hmm. and yeah. for a lot of people that have gone through the same thing as him you know it's it's really healing for the reader as well yeah and i love rune's journey too is, is he was very much the reluctant dad like from the very very beginning yeah. and by the end of that series he's he's really stepped into that role and like embraced those kids as his his family like would die for them but like the first book he's like why are we stuck with this child like it, it was just really cool to watch them all grow but see that particular arc for him was i'm adopting everybody and their brother literally exactly <laughs> like and like I, I love that brand too is like he is such a badass but he was always the one that would like have granola on him like kind of thing you know what i mean like he teaches them how to choke somebody out but he also makes sure they eat like it's just i love it i love Anna, it so much and it's braiding his hair when they're in the hospital and yeah it's just yeah. so cute yeah and but yeah katie is awesome i i was able to get uh interact with him maybe once or twice on twitter i like pre-ordered a signed paperback just because he like posted a picture of him being cute like being like oh i'm signing my stack at a local store and i was like i'll take 12 like just (laughs) try to support as much as possible and i think in this day and age you know going back to what we were saying before with ai you know artists and authors are having this new competition and that's something else that kind of sets you apart is interacting with your fandom if you're able to and i think that's really nice and in general just kind of it's just another layer to the whole thing and um like, I read them once, and then I listened to the audio twice by Josh, Josh Hurley, I believe. And um, I love audiobooks. I didn't start listening to them until I made my first one. And like I kind of like this. I can do the dishes, I can drive, and I can do this, that, and other thing. And I was talking mm-hmm. to somebody, my librarian, the other day, and I told her that I was going to be on a podcast. I'm like, you know, can you think of any th- anything I should talk about, you know? And she's, I was like, why do you like audiobooks? And uh, I'm busy. From the time I get up and I'm getting ready for the day, she doesn't listen with headphones and she just looks at play on her phone, which I can't do that. But she goes, you know, I pause it while I'm in the shower and then I'm getting dressed and listening and, you know, work alone a lot of the time and I'm just busy. And it's a way for me to still read and enjoy. Like, when if I have time to actually sit down and read, physical book i've got to have like nothing else going on so otherwise i feel like i'm wasting time but at least i can still be productive Mm -hmm. and i feel quite the same way as far as audiobooks go yeah i have i can only successfully read a book with paper pages if i am on vacation now yeah like it's the only time that i can like make my brain just enjoy a book and not think about like the the things that I think about when I'm reading a manuscript that I will have to narrate, like it's just so hard to turn that off and just enjoy imagine. a book. 
Yeah. You know, but if I'm on a beach, I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it has to be a beach specifically. It's though. something so, it, I mean, it just works. It's like, yeah. Ah, yeah. I'm not doing anything today except reading this book. But yeah. But I also love audiobooks. And like, mm-hmm. so that is how I read for Big pleasure. Book. Most of the time, because uh, scanning uh, words on a tablet just feels like work. Yeah. Now, well, and you and like I think Josh and a few other, you know, it's there's so much emotion and it adds a whole different layer to the story. Like for me personally, that's the closest I will ever get to reading my book for the first time. Like, I don't know how you feel, but it's like I don't know. You put a whole new spin on it. Like, even though you have in your head what these, their mannerisms and what they sound like and things like that, like, after hearing you do it, it's just like, wow, like, I don't know. I think, I always think it's really awesome that first listen. Yeah. Like, listening to your own, like, your own audiobook. Yeah. Yeah. It's very surreal. It's very, it's crazy. Because, like, the first time I ever had an audiobook done was with Kurt. It was Smash and Grab. And I had never heard my story read back to me like that and I like I think I was giggling like an idiot for a good week yeah like I just had it in the car and I would listen to it and just be like like it's ridiculous that was me too and it's like that every time now like every like every time I get the opportunity to be able to do a new audiobook with him and I get to listen to it again I'm always just like yeah he could just burp into the microphone for 10 minutes i'd still just think it was great so yeah i don't think tantor would like that very much real mad but i would still be delighted (laughs) that's great Um, i guess you have to write the burps in yes yeah Yeah. um so i gotta ask and this is for a lot of people not just myself maz what is the next book gonna be about to find the gin like there's a lot of shipping wars going on right now i hope you know what you, you've yeah. done yeah there's there's a lot of shit going on in that series so it's going to be a continuation so it's going to be three books long and um or longer i keep trying to talk her into more I, yeah. right now it's planned for three um we'll see what happens but this this story mm-hmm. yeah this story mm-hmm. is three books long characters can live on yeah yeah so um it's going to be a continuation of some of the stuff that started from the first book what's going to be happening with that like with the whole um all those well i don't want to spoil too much but i was gonna say you are saying nothing i, I don't want to be your like, words blah, blah, mean blah. nothing yeah. okay so i guess as <laughs> okay I, spoiler alert for anybody listening if sure. you haven't read find the gin shame on you um but also maybe skip ahead a couple minutes yeah there you go okay so um all those artifacts that got stolen out of dallas's apartment that's bad um yeah. that really ominous oni lady that was on the island that's bad there's just like a lot of things that because dallas has a problem with meddling and shit he's not supposed to is going to explode into fuckery for the next like two books yeah and it's gonna get nuts and also i want to apologize in advance for the ending of book two don't be mad at me it'll be fine that's all i'll say (laughs) it'll be fine (laughs) it'll be fine but like my plan is i need to finish book two and then be like sprinting towards the end of book three before I release it because I need to go hide somewhere because y'all are going to be pissed. But it'll be fine. Believe me. Well, see, the like, there's a lot of ship wars, though. Like, people are shipping, mm-hmm. you know, either oh, yeah, Zane, yeah. Dallas, yes, or Scythe, and Dallas, or There's a lot of, like, yeah, people Zane. want MFM. I know um, Carol was talking about that, and I was just like, I don't know. I'm just happy to be here. I don't know what's going on, but 
I just love them all. Yeah, I actually had a reader made me a Team Zalas shirt and send it to me. She she was like, this is me bribing you. And I was like, Jesus. (laughs) Like, I mean, I'm happy that everybody is engaging with it. But yeah, I wasn't (laughs) expecting the the war. Wait, you didn't do that on purpose? No, I just thought it was fun. Oh. But yeah, I thought. Yeah, no. I know who I want. I was like, oh, you know what we just fell into? A love triangle. Like, what is this? Yeah, Grumpy's fun. I also like cocky, suave people too. So it's just like, what if both? But then they also, it's different. And then, yes. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) So, but yeah, it's going to be messy, but fun. But yeah, the the ship war thing took me off guard. (laughs) I just didn't expect it because I I thought people didn't like love triangles. So I don't know. Hey, it's working. Yeah, I I think they're both good in their own right. I think so too. I like them both. Mm. But yeah, Mm. I don't want to give away too much. Who do you want, by the way? Zane. Zane. Noted. But it might also just be that we get to spend so much more time with him. Yeah. I love her. You're one. just like, yeah. so He's, I don't know. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've made my opinion known. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we were talking about for media. Emmeline Strange is a good one. Same uh, cover artist is mine for Phantom and Rook. Well, you can't really see it like that. But that okay. hedgehog shifter. Nice. No. Yes. That's awesome. Oh, I thought dinosaur shifters were the craziest thing I was ever going to hear. You haven't heard about the potato shifter? That's... The what? Is yes. that real? Yes. Did you just make that up? No, I didn't. It's real. There's what a potato that? shifter. Potato. Oh, yeah. Potato. Yeah. yeah it's but... a thing. I haven't read it yet, but it's a thing, and it's got a big old fan base. Look at his face. What? <laughs> Come it's, on. A it's a thing. Yeah. It's a real thing. And I don't think it's like a jokey, like taken by the T Rex kind of thing. Like I think it's like a legit romance with a potato shifter. But so many questions. So many things could go wrong. (laughs) Like I can't help but think of like when you leave a potato and like on the counter too long and stuff starts sprouting from it. I don't know if that comes into play. Well, I'm like, how many situations can you be in when morphing into a potato is helpful? I don't know if it's helpful, but I, I would often love to do that when I'm like trapped with a family member I don't want to talk to and just potato and then they just have to leave. But what if somebody is like, oh, God, look at this potato sitting in the middle of the couch. Who put this here? And then, and then throw they it throw outside it away. And I'm free. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> now, you're, now you want to read it. You're asking all the questions and you're like, yeah. See, oh. this is brilliant marketing. Whoever wrote that book okay. is like, somebody's going to be talking about You read the, the book podcast. and then we'll get them on the podcast. Okay, I'm going to write a note. <laughs> so, what can readers look forward to coming up in the next few months from Alina Isaacs? Um, well, next month I'm publishing my first book under the pen name Noah Osborne, which is The Rebel Boxes. Very unhinged, feral, and it's all my trans rage I've been feeling for the past, you know, while. Um, it features Rajni, which is a trans woman, box shifter, and her polycule of lesbians, one of which kind of portrays her and turns her into the bad guy. And uh, it's just, you know, a lot of explosions. There's spray paint magic. Magic in this world is more of a mutation. So, uh, diesel punk. So it's going to be set in like twenties and thirties kind of theme. Um, and something that I've kind of touched down on, on my previous books, like 
the most obvious way is in the old language, which is Hebrew. But I'm Jewish, so I really wanted to incorporate that a little bit more with this book. So I'm doing that as well, which I'm really excited for. And it's going to be a blast. It's just full of adventure. It's really dark, but it's not as bad as the other ones. And it's really exciting. Yeah. And then after that, um, Matt's daughter, Nadraskas, will be in the fall. That's going to be really exciting. As um, Quentin is an elementary school teacher. He moves lights as a um, kind of a tutor for physics. And he also writes monster porn on the side, which he told everybody he doesn't anymore, but he still does because, you know, it's fun. And then his, the love interest is Lokian, which is a demon, archdemon, who's like kind of the godfather in the area. And they're just two complete opposites, and it's going to be great. Like the idiocy in the first one has nothing on this at all. Like, That's yeah. what we like to hear. Yeah, <laughs> you know, face palming. Just hurry up and get together already. No. Nope. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with us. We hope you'll come back again. Yes, thank you for having me. I had fun. Thanks for letting me ramble and get all nerdy and talk books. We always <laughs> encourage nerdy behavior on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> Well, it was fun. That's what we're here to do, yeah. is be nerdy and chat about books. Yeah. <laughs> so. so I loved how at one point in this interview, Noah just started interviewing us. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> that we was get, fun. We get a nice little refresher for people who haven't heard us before about how we met and why we started the podcast. So yeah, that's all in there. That I left fun. it in because I was like, eh, that's, all. that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, still, we're still young. Somebody might be finding us on the seventh episode. Hey, I love learning that. more about us. So. For sure. Uh, you should look out for the next book in Alina Isaac's Adventures in Levina series, Adrastus and Matt's Daughter, coming out soon. Uh, they also released the first book under the name Noah Hawthorne called The Rebel Foxes in June. Uh, it is a dark fantasy with diesel punk elements, trans main characters, and a polyamorous romance. Lots of good stuff. Mm-hmm. So you can find all the ways to connect with Noah in the show notes. For this episode, you can also find in the show notes um, all the ways to connect with us, mm-hmm. both the podcast and just uh, our individual accounts as author and narrator. So connect with us, say hi. We are always looking for feedback. Uh, our website is hoofandfangpodcast.com, and you can also find a link there to our Patreon page. Mm-hmm. Uh, or go to Patreon and just search Hoof and Fang. Uh, and you can subscribe to support the podcast and get access to bonus content. And if you subscribe at the $10 level on October 27th, you will get the audiobook for Prisoner by Gigi DeGram. Yes. Good stuff coming. Such good stuff coming. Mm-hmm. So uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Yeah. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. <laughs>